Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Welcome to Talk Cosmos. Today is April 27, 2019. We're actually doing Taurus Archetype. Last week was the Taurus Cosmic Collaboration, but this is the first week that we're starting a one-to-one conversation with another guest. Taurus is where spirit comes into form. And in one way, that could put up a duality of thoughts. It does from the physical aspect, but that's really what the crux of our conversation today with this guest will be, is that spirit comes into form and not just creates it, leaves it. It's a constant dialogue, and it's a matter of checking in with that conversation of our spirit that so many of the stages of every religion throughout has told us about, and that the word esoteric that is in the title for tonight is is actually means hidden. It's a hidden information only because the spirit isn't seen by the deliberate eyes that want to see the matter. You know, there's a lot of mythology that goes related, of course, with Taurus and Venus. And one of the most famous ones is about the Minotaur of Crete, M-I-N-A-T-A-U-R, this creature that ate flesh, which in a sense might relate to the fact that when we see matter, that's all we do is want more and more and more of the physical without realizing where did it come from and having that wholeness. Because really, when spirit goes into form, there's still a wholeness. It, it has fragmented from the fact, from the whole, but yet it's still unified, which will again be a theme. So in this story from the Grecian mythology, I'll just briefly present, and this also was a talk last year with June Rose Trimbach on May 12, 2018. You can check out the archives, which are always there, audio archives at Talk Cosmos and all the bios of everybody. And at that time, Adrian gave a ball of golden thread to Thesis, and he was to unwind it as he traveled through this labyrinth in Crete. And he'd been sent as a sacrifice, but in reality, he was displayed as Minotaur that dwelt at its center. And you could say, because it all is metaphors of speech and understanding and looking at these ancient ways of, of, of understanding, that it is of us uh, that we are slaying in order to have new life, to have that life connected with the spirit. And so it's only by the means of that gleaming thread that he held that he was able to return out of it. And in this particular book, it's a little book called The Golden Thread by Natalie N. Banks, represents that the king represents the spirit. Adrian, who is the daughter of the king Minas, the, the king, is the soul. Thesis, who she was, her beloved, actually, was a personality. And, and I don't mean to confuse it with these extra parts, but there is a story, the actual literal story. And so that's why I was mentioning why these are. But symbolically, they represent spirit, soul, personality. And the Minotaur, ignorance greed and selfishness for whose sake are we doing things yay our own well maybe not because it is that matter of exchanging and needing resources and the labyrinth the darkest stage of the descent is what it says represents and the golden thread the teachings of the ageless wisdom so for today on a particular guest which i'm most happy to Announce is Ben Mabry, and he's a yogi, esotericist, 
Well, let me just read this. He is a, a, a electric, eclectic, I was keeping electric, electric, eclectic, all these words, but eclectic esoteric yogic astrologer. He's taught, instructed, he's a mentor, he's blogged, he writes, he speaks, he lectures. And he graduated from the School of Traditional Astrology, Practitioners Level 5, Horary Course. It was written and developed by Deborah Holdings and it's presented by Wade Cave. He's a yogi esotericist astrologer, and he strives to participate in the externalization of a greatly expanded astrology, emergence, a key to all the stages of the yogic process, including realization of our higher selves, goddesses, God, and the divine love who accompanies all. So, with, and I might just say here that for my own learning that in the all, you know, because if you go back in, in the in the uh, twelve houses, the archetype you know, combined as archetype. I don't think it's just houses; it's the whole signs and all of it. If you go back to Pisces, it represents the all, and of the all, really, there was the feminine, the masculine being separated. So God and goddesses. Hello, Ben. It is such a pleasure to have you with all your vast expertise come to join me today. Well, hello, Sue. It's um, a pleasure to be here. Yes. You know, I happen to be in Kona, <laughs> and I and you're in Seattle. We're kind of in reverse. And I'll just let you know that you're a little dim on my telephone, so I will work really hard to listen, and that's been my spiritual quest anyway so if if i don't respond <laughs> you'll know well, All right. <laughs> your, your clarity of, of from hawaii is not 100 percent as well so i, I may mess oh, up yes. too <laughs> okay so, so yes go ahead now our title tonight is the um the f uh you know i'm trying to see it right here in front of me, but at any rate, it is the esoteric, uh, the application of Taurus, the, the third eye, thank you, the third eye, the implication of Taurus. So perhaps I need to ask you what immediately comes to your mind when you want to share about that. Okay, um, first of all, the third eye um, has uh, most commonly been associated with one of the seven um, energy centers in the human body um, called chakras in the Sanskrit language. Chakras means wheels. Yeah. And they're, they're basically spinning wheels of subtle energy that unite the physical body with what is called the etheric body, yeah. the, the astral emotional body, um, the lower mental body, the... Um, uh, into intuitional body, the um, higher bodies um, of the human being. Um, and there are different ways that they resonate to different sevenfold levels within that configuration. And um, the um, sign of Taurus actually has a resonance to um, the next to highest chakra. Um, I'll name the chakras in, or in order from uh, lowest on the spinal column spectrum to the highest. Um, the lowest is the chakra of earth, and it relates to how we uh, process earth. Uh, it is where we uh, finish the processing of the uh, earthen elements um, that we eat. By lowest, it's the most dense. It's the most it, dense. Is, it is the yeah. most dense. Um, and it is located um, where we do expel those solids at the base of the spine. And um, the next one up is in the area of the groin where we finish our processing of liquids. So it's that progression from earth to water. And, uh, water. Which is like the spirit, the spirit of life, yes, the water. Um, Would you say? On one level of resonance, that is accurate. And Okay, pardon okay. me for jumping in, but I just wanted to... But, but, no, Keep jumping in. And, okay. 
and on <laughs> the, the third chakra up is the uh, said to be the one of fire, and it's where we combust, so to speak, our foods in our bellies. Okay, so it's in the belly area. And then the, the fourth one up is the uh, chakra of air, and that's where we process air in our lungs and our breathing. And the next one up is said to be the um, chakra of mind, uh, which is considered one of the elements in the yogic lore. Is that the fifth one of the throat? Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I did skip, didn't I? And and the next one up is the one of ether. Thank you for the correction there. Um, And um, that is where we process sound. And that fifth element... Because it goes through the air. It goes through the ether. Yes, sound. Right. And um, it um, is, of course, where um, the vocal cords are. And so processing the sound in the ether. And then the next one up is the one of mind. The one I was in a hurry, and that's the in, sixth. In the a sixth. too much of a hurry to get to, I guess. And that is, yeah. that is the sixth. And okay. it, uh, mind is said to be an element. And mm. so that, that is the sixth element. And it is the chakra of the mind. And it is where we process our conscious thoughts. And um, it is, of course, up in the head. It is uh, uh, at the level of the brow and the brain. And then the seventh chakra is said to be the one um, of the element of um, intuition. Um, The Sanskrit term is buddhi. One who is intuitive is a buddha. Well, we know um, Gautama Buddha, the founder of um, an offshoot of Hinduism. And um, we um, know of him as uh, enlightened. And it's, so it's a concept of enlightenment, uh, intuition, uh, developing of the higher intelligence. Sometimes the, the word Buddha is translated as intelligence. Um, Intelligence is said in the uh, esoteric lore to have three levels, ultimately. Um, there are many levels, uh, in many descriptions, actually. Well, well, three, and I think it's a good thing to, to, yeah, go ahead. Okay, three basic levels, and you can further subdivide them. The, the lowest is intuition, and even before um, the higher stimulations of these chakras occurs, that, that instinct, did I say instinct? the first time I should have, uh, that instinct is um, present in the animal kingdom. And then the next level up is um, intellect, uh, where we're not just using the mind, but we're using discrimination uh, coming from ticklings from the next And these are the three descriptions of intellect that you're describing, well, right? Well, the three of intelligence. Intelligence yeah, being intelli- the blanket term. Yes. In, intelli- yeah, instinct, then intelligence. Instinct, then intellect, then intuition. Those yes, are the three yes, levels yes. of intelligence in the broader sense of the term intelligence. Okay. So um, for animals, the whatever there is being somewhat dormant and then somewhat tickled into awakening, uh, of the uh, uh, of this seventh chakra uh, is instinct, and then in the in the normal day to day human um, that is the uh, intellect. And as the human is developing the um, yogic um, spiritual advancement, um, the intuition is developing. And so, um, really, the third eye centers on Taurus. So Taurus rules the third eye, but the third eye does gather the um, energy of the top chakra and the one below the brow chakra as well. Those because three. it is on this, just to let the audience, because many people are familiar with chakras, but for those that are not, it gets a little bit abstract when you say above or below what. Well, but it, it is it's phys- physically it's above, yes, um, because the, the, the top chakra actually, when one feels its activity, it, one feels it at the back top of the head, what is called the crown of the head. Right, which would be the seventh chakra, the, just the, the seventh, correct? Seventh chakra, yes. Okay, okay, that's all I'm out of it. Okay. 
So the, the third eye is a, 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 a built after the building of the bridge between the throat fifth chakra and the um, brow sixth chakra. That's when the activity of the third eye proper begins. And when the, when the um, third eye matures, it's also involving the link between the sixth brow chakra and the seventh crown chakra. <laughs> and that link from the, to the throat chakra m- is maintained so that the, the third eye basically blossoms from the sixth chakra above and below, literally to the throat, you know, front to the crown and the, th- and yeah. the throat. Um, yeah. That's when it's fully uh, effective um, at that point. And that is also when the seventh chakra is awakened. And it's only at that point, the yogis say, when one um, can uh, leave the manifest universe and get beyond the cycle of rebirth uh, when that crown chakra has been awakened. And um, um, so the development of the third eye, and there's, a, there's a yet another level. There's a, a, a set of minor chakras just above the brow chakra that basically recapitulate all of the seven main chakras and they are also vitalized during this process. And astrologically, those seven minor chakras that basically do a summary of the seven chakras in the head are controlled by the uh, Pleiades cluster of planets. Um, I mean, um, stars. Where souls are said to have been, to be born. Yes, there, there's a, a cross lore um, that has uh, been uh, channeled um, by um, various people that says that um, the human uh, uh, on the on Earth was seeded by the humanity uh, on on planets in the Pleiades star cluster system. The Pleiades are not just a constellation. In other words stars that appear close just because they do so from our looking at them in this direction. But no matter what direction you look at one of the stars in the Pleiades in, you'll see the others as well because they're a true cluster very close to each other. I've been on mountaintops or or on observatories. It's one of the favorite um, sights to see through a telescope. It's really pretty remarkable. Well, I'm, I'm speaking from, a, one could argue, a slightly goofy perspective. If you were looking from another uh, solar system uh, oh. on the other side of the Pleiades than from ours, it would look l- like a, a cluster of the same stars because those stars Ooh. are genuinely close together. Like a lot of our constellations, when we're looking at stars, they're not really close together. That's they just happen point. to cross our line of sight. Yes, it's from our perspective, yes. Right. But here but, they actually are a cluster. The seven sisters, I think, are the aren't they? The, the, the seven sisters, and um, they actually um, modulate the stars of the Great Bear constellation, which in esoteric lore is said to... It's not a star cluster, it's a constellation. The stars are not close together. But in terms of anchored for the humanity of our planet, they uh, deal with the seven main chakras. So you have basically the Pleiades, which, like if you look at the shape that the Pleiades have for us, it looks like a tiny Big Dipper. You know, we have the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper. I call them the Littlest Dipper. And, you uh, call them the, I can't quite hear what was yes, that. Yes, I call the Pleiades the littlest dipper. They're like the uh-huh. third. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, they're the third dipper. That's interesting, like the three bears, the big bear, the middle bear, and the little bear. Right. And, of course, once again, they are in the car- constellation of, of Taurus, and they are, they are part of it. Yes. And um, so they're a very key part of it, and um, they help the... But the, the Sanskrit word for the sixth chakra is ajna, and that means uh, no lack of knowledge. Um, 
that mm-hmm. is that is not only uh, an ability to see everything but to know everything and uh, primarily through that act of seeing um, the inner seer when you talk about rishis or ishis um, in Sanskrit uh, the term means a seer they are said to be the people who um, back a millennia ago received these um, uh, what are called Vedic mantras and Vedic verses um, and were able to understand that they were encoded information um, that uh, had various keys to them. And um, the yogic lore that I'm dealing with so much is that yogic lore which talks about the astrological keys to these uh, verses. And it... um, has a lot of uh, resonance uh, to uh, any level of astrology, but um, the parts that are coming out, becoming uh, known, that haven't been known are the parts that actually uh, talk about the higher states, the, the stages of the yogic process itself. And that, that's my personal obsession with astrology. I, I study all of astrology and work with all of astrology, but my my favorite part to work with is this um, yogic astrology. It's the energy. There are energy is, it comes, I mean, it's expressed in many ancient terms as above as below, which is only the short term of you know, the mm-hmm. emerald tablet and, and the philosopher's stone is this referred to of the energy, but that energy never gets destroyed, and whether it was Einstein that says it, or whether it was Plato, or whether it was way back in Babylonia, pre, prehistorical, yes, and so these levels are um, expressed in different ways, but right. and it, I've had different thoughts, but go ahead, at the moment I'm listening. The, the, <laughs> the fact that so much of this information is uh, encoded in the oldest strata, the written Veda, um, the Urgveda, um, with, where it does do things about talk about the 360 degrees of the zodiacs of the, uh, with larger divisions of 12 and so forth. Now, by, by, by modern by modern studies, um, that um, 12-fold zodiac uh, uh, was first discovered or made up, depending on your opinion on the whole thing. Um, much later than that, um, it's it's well understood that um, that the Rigveda um, predates um, the more conventional understanding of the start of the twelvefold zodiac. So, um, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, the houses have been a, a process. It's all a matter of development of consciousness continues. Well, the esoteric <laughs> lore even says that in a prior. Um, state of humanity called the Atlantean stage before the modern humanity what, what stage. What was it called? Somehow at, it's not coming through the phone. What at, was that? At, Atlantean. Atlantis. Oh, Atlantean. Okay, yeah. a lot like it, Atlantis. Atlantis yeah. is not just a continent. It's a, it's a stage of humanity before yeah. ours. And um, it's said that um, the uh, people who had uh, preceded the Atlanteans uh, had set up um, basically a league of super mystics to help guide the Atlanteans, and that one of the gifts of this league of super mystics to the Atlanteans was the mystic science of astrology. And I go ahead. Okay, and um, <laughs> the uh, the lore says that, for instance, in it in uh, Egypt, the um, Egyptian um, mysteries were a legacy from Atlantis, and that it was no longer a time for astrology to be open uh, in humanity, but to be more of a mystery. And the mystery teachings in Atlantis um, were very indirect toward some of the um, points of astrology, but can be can be seen to an extent. So the fact that Hellenistic astrology emerged in that area 
I see is no accident. Um, and that, um, um, you, you know, that the earliest authors of, um, uh, that are known to us of, in Hellenistic astrology include Hermes. And Hermes is considered a, we're talking Hermes, we're talking the god Mercury here. Right. Right. And so that's a very um, mythological kind of entry into um, Hellenistic astrology. And, well, and then, of course, none of the authors after that were said to be a god or some mythological figure. And um, to me, uh, that, well, that minute, provides can, a hint. I'm going to ask you to stop right there. <laughs> sure. Because I'm, I'm following, but I kind of want to tie this together a little bit back to Taurus. But as far as Hermes goes, because mm-hmm. I know there's tourism by Miss Guest. I can't even say that word. Christmas Guestus, yes. Yes, thank you. But the point is, is that Hermes, as a so ancient, the trickster that has the serpent, you know, the two serpents with the caduceus, um, you know, around of life, looking at each other, the, the feminine and the masculine, and and so, but and I also know that if I'm following you, that in and in a way that right back to Taurus, because Taurus is where the spirit comes into form. And with the Grecian uh, intellect that was following the, the threat of civilization and, and, and separated the gods from the animal instinctive form into more of images that looked like, you know, as oneself. So from that standpoint, but what what reference did you make about Hermes, and and what was I didn't quite follow that. Well, uh, Hellenistic, um, <laughs> or otherwise called Greek astrology, um, right? Hellenistic astrology's uh, oldest authors include one named Hermes, and um, it is thought to be the uh, representation of the god Hermes. Um, Depending on um, the mindset of the interpreter, that might be Hermes. It might be someone using the name of Hermes for, for um, basically having people listen to them. Um, But the fact remains: either way, um, the um, seed of Hellenistic astrology was from basically the mythic corner, if you will. And uh, that um, is um, basically an invitation to solve a mystery. And uh, the, the modern astrological community um, is dealing at this point with uh, working with trying to figure out how to determine all of valid astrology based on looking at Hellenistic tradition, uh, Hindu Indic tradition, or, or, or um, Vedic astrology, as it's often called as well, uh, and dealing with um, uh, various currents of astrology that basically um, arose after Hellenistic astrology, and uh, certain things that even were introduced by esotericists in the wake of Helena Blavatsky. And by who? I, I couldn't hear that word. Could but, you repeat by, that word? Yes, introduced introduced by esotericists. Oh, es- okay, good, good. All right. Okay, uh, including um, theosophists uh, who were followers of Helena Blavatsky. Yeah, theosophy right now is right. a very potent source of esoteric. Yes. Wisdom, and, yes. And, and of the Hel- hidden wisdom, the mystery. Right, and basically Helena Blavatsky's story is that she was approached by members of the League of Super Mystics to write and to help lead us into um, basically a, a turning of ages uh, as, as the years um, would go on past her presentations. And she said that um, the keys to these mysteries are multiple, and that one of those keys is the astrological key. She said that the uh, astrology of the time was the ABCs of, this, of the vast subject, um, and that um, uh, 
much more would be understood as we come into the age of Aquarius. That I have read that. And you know what I just noticed, then is that this is Talk Cosmos for a wonderful audience, and it's Third Eye, The Implications of Taurus with Ben Mabry. Am I saying your name? Mabry or Mabry? Mabry. 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 Because M-A-D-R-Y, folks. And we will return in a moment, because we're usually at the half hour. We can take a short announcement, and then we'll be right back. So uh, there are levels that you as well have well said, and we'll regroup in just a moment. Okay, thank you. we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We're currently in the period of Taurus. By leaving a cycle based upon initiation, the energy of Taurus integrates spirit into a solid form of matter that is tangible and physical. It's an earth sign, concerned with self-sufficiency and the values to maintain the strength of a life form throughout its survival. Hi, this is June Rose Trimbach. I'm an astrologer and healer, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconscious. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. Hello, Ben, are you there? I am here. <laughs> All right. Well, I tell you, it's amazing. It's, it, it's really, there's so many, well, we're talking about many levels of life here, and we're starting to get, I'm experiencing the distance in various ways. It can sound good struggling, so I'm so glad. So let's go to that sixth chakra and tie in that esoteric third eye. Okay. To the the reality, to build this expression. You know, meditation for me was being listening, and there are these levels. levels. I'm not sure if the audience can tell what you're saying, but I'm getting garbling at this point. Oh, can you hear me now? I can. Okay. What I'm saying is, is that let's go back to the third eye, the sixth chakra, Mm -hmm. and. and talk about the yogic uh, practices. I know that meditation is a primary way, that there's ways of chanting of words, there's a ways of silence, there's levels of light and sound that come in, because Taurus is, actually in some ways, because it's matter, it is instinctive. And so, and also, if, if, if in the esoteric, energy of the third eye if it has to do with love and wisdom if you could tie those together well definitely as as that bridge is being built from the uh, throat chakra to the brow chakra we are um, dealing with the bridge between manas and buddhi and so that uh, definitely relates to the the third eye and chakra relating to buddhi or um, intuition intelligence and um uh, the ajna or no lack of knowledge chakra the the sixth chakra um is um the um intuitive chakra and it um it is accompanied with a literal inner seeing where um basically the inner world is made manifest um the uh, the manifestation is related to the earth element that um that uh, is um, the element of um taurus and uh, related also to the mode the activity mode of taurus which is the fixed in other words the gathering and and holding of whatever the involved energy is so basically, the the uh, Taurus is playing here by gathering uh, a whole material world into perception. Okay, so if you know, with esoteric 
thought, which really means hidden is just one word because so often used often. And, and the origin the original Greek for esoteric meant more hidden. Meant uh, what? Meant more hidden. Eso eso uh, meant hidden, and esotero oh, yeah. meant more hidden. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yes, because, it, you know, truly, when you think of spirit, how do we find spirit except through experience? I know that there's very many uh, religious, uh, not religious, there's, um, religion has deities as, as far as, a, you know, a, a, a definition. And, but there's so many esoteric rumors attached to every religion. There's whether it's Sufi or whether it's Kabbalah or whether it's Christian mystic or whether it's um, Zoroastic. I mean, there's many, many. And then there's, there's others. But it's through the experience. There's one that, that believes, oh, Buddhism. Buddhism says it's all but experience is how. It's not because we touch it. It's because we we're, we have changes, yeah? Oh, definitely. And um, that Taurus third eye change is a change to fully manifest that spiritual world uh, to the consciousness, uh, grounding the spiritual world and uniting us with the spiritual world. And it... Um, is involved with um, uh, mantra, uh, that process where one uh, uh, basically changes the focus from the throat chakra to the the, the brow chakra, is uh, uh, generally accompanied uh, by mantra. And um, basically the Taurus level of the word Aung is said to be the fourth or final uh, level of the the vibration of the own mantra, which is the primary mantra in Hinduism and yoga. From what I was noticing is that the the, the mantras work to still the mind and focus so that one can reattach. I don't know if attach is a good word, but yes, it is a good word. Yeah. Reattach. Okay. <laughs> detach from one level to attach to another. Level. Yeah, to, yes. to experience that wholeness, that that sense of um, where there is more conscious unity rather than thoughts that that separate. You know, because there is we live in time and space. You know, where spirit is part of the whole that was prior to any separation. Yes, and. Um, that that wholeness it still maintains uh, variegatedness um, in in a kind of a paradoxical way. Um, that paradox is actually even discussed in the the Urg Veda, the oldest of the Vedas, where um, things are one and things are variegated at the same time. Um, kind of a, a difficult concept to wrap your mind around, but maybe not as hard to wrap your intuition around. Well, as I'm trying to think of what question. I have two questions, actually. One is about the electronic uh, body healing that you do. But I'm also wondering about how you feel that, because you've, uh, I mean, it's apparent to me that I'd like to hear it from yourself. I mean, I'd love to hear it from you. That's, That's one subject. But the other one is more about you as a yogic, as an esoteric yogic astrologer who is using these uh, uh, practices to enhance your experience. And, I mean, for me, it's, it's obvious that it seems that because we possess talent, we possess, we're spirit, and we are spirit, and to connect with that makes us whole. But is that what your path? in a Tarian way, how that gives greater uh, dimension? Well, um, as um, an astrologer, I started having been a yogi for six and a half years. And I had a strong uh, 
impression, one may call it an intuition, I, I personally think it was, that um, there wa uh, was basis both for the way the Westerners start the Zodiac and the way the Easterners start the Zodiac, the, the, the Vedics and, 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 the, and the Hellenistic um, and the following traditions after the Hellenistic um, do the what's called tropical Zodiac. The Vedics do what's called a sidereal zodiac. The tropical zodiac starts the zodiac where the sun is at the beginning of springtime, and it follows a yearly cycle uh, in right. terms direction. of the seasons. Yes, and, it's connected um, to the direction, right? Uh, well, it is as well, but um, basically where the, the sun is at the beginning of spring starts the starting point of the zodiac, and okay. next year when it hits that same uh, start of the spring, that is, uh, once again, the starting of Aries or the starting of the Zodiac. Uh, whereas if you um, try to map from the sky, this, the star field of the sky, uh, you have a different cycling that actually varies um, and gradually changes relationship to the starting point of, of the Aries. Um, uh, where the the Vedic astrologers start that zodiac always from a, a concept for, for for the starry sky itself, so that um, at certain times over the course of twenty six thousand years, you will be going where those two points. Well, let's say that the entire span of twenty six thousand years. They, those two points for the starting points of the two zodiacs diverge and then rejoin. It's so true that it's a 26,000-year period. And yeah, it's the precession of the equinox. Yes. We have a tilt to the, to the, uh, the you know, we have 23 and a half degrees, you know, the axis. The tilt of the uh, axis. Into our audience. And toward, so the, toward the sun, yes. Yeah, and we change our stars, you know, back um, 5,000 years ago, it was Thurban. Right. It wasn't and, Polaris. And so, when, yes. when we talk about the age of Aquarius or the age of Pisces or the age of Aries or the age of Taurus, which the primal Taurus uh, incarnation of Krishna incarnated in the age of Taurus. Um, and uh, we have the symbol of the fishes for um, Jesus Christ, uh, the age of Pisces. Yes. And those ages cannot be ages unless you consider both zodiacs. So we have, once again, a, a religio-mythic, if you will, um, backdrop to an intuitive uh, push toward using both zodiacs and figuring out how to use both zodiacs. So when I started being an astrologer, I, I, I did that. I went... I have to use both of these. I have to figure out how these two zodiacs wow. are working. And, Fantastic. And then later, I, uh, after having done that, um, some years later, I was in an astrology conference in 2003 put together by the um, American Federation of Astrologers uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, one of the speakers was um, uh, Walter Senke, uh, reincarnation researcher, and uh, Kevin Ryerson was there with him to do channeling. Um, they had done a, a lot of um, uh, teamwork to try to ascertain um, information about past lives. And uh, there was a particular section where they were entertaining questions from the audience where Kevin Ryerson would channel answers. And... Um, I was going to ask, well, uh, what about tropical and sidereal zodiacs? Well, it turned out that the person who was uh, kind of a third person on stage there to be kind of coordinating the, the, uh, the questions from the audience, he just happened to go ahead and ask that question. <laughs> I was going, well, well that's, that's okay. I, I can dig with that. And um, then um, the answer was... 100% in, in accordance with the different ways I use the two zodiacs. said that they're both true um, and that they just work on different parts of the being. Uh, one, one works on, and it, it used the, the um, Egyptian terms, the ba and ka, and it, uh, basically it was explaining that for the greater astral body, 
uh, or what the later theosophists of Alice Bailey's group would say, the personality that um, uh, combines, coordinates the physical, emotional, and mental part of our being, um, that, that the tropical zodiac deals with that, and that the um, greater causal body, which deals coordinating that mental body part with the intuitional body and then the next one up, that that deals with the trop- the sidereal zodiac. So and this is this is how I fit kind of as a I see as a postmodern astrologer yeah. u- using um, yeah. using esotericism. I, I, w- I was uh, explaining my system to uh, Robert Hand, and, and uh, he eventually said, um, "Well, Ben, you know, I don't really do postmodern astrology." He talks about postmodern astrology a lot. Uh, some uh, several of his lectures have postmodern astrology as part of the title, um, and he said, "I'm not doing postmodern astrology, but you are, um, because what I'm doing is I'm combining the things from the different traditions into a kind of a postmodern take." And, um, and so, um, but since then, he said he's he's kind of going more in the direction of doing postmodern astrology. But at that time, he he said, "Well, I'm not doing it, but you are." <laughs> and, yes. Um, that's- very important. So that's my place. I see um, um, we're at a point where we have a whole lot of the traditional text tr- finally translated um, and understood. We, we can see the, the relationships of the various traditions. There are mysteries as to why, uh, for instance, uh, one of my key books, Spiritual Astrology by Kerala Krishnamacharya, can even exist with the vast level of yogic lore it gives um, in astrological key uh, material. Um, I showed it to uh, Robert Schmidt, one of the big translators uh, of the Hellenistic text, I guess probably the biggest translator. He passed away soon. I mean, recently. He passed away recently. Um, I showed him this this book, and uh, he looked through it, and he said, what is this? Where is this from? And, and it, it didn't make any sense as being something that could possibly exist period <laughs> it just didn't make sense to him because it didn't it didn't follow that arc of the development of horoscopic astrology that well, he was I familiar think, with you know what you're suggesting uh, generally and what we're really talking of is uh, as feedback which i think is so valid is to really break open away from uh, our senses that feed, we get conditioned, in other words, to what you see, to what you think, what we think is fixed, what we think is set. Instead of looking at polarities, which, as you've said, Vedic, you know, whether it's sidereal, going to the fixed stars, or to the tropical, which has the vernal, you know, March 20... Uh, yes, spring uh, spring and point. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, that both of these have operate and that it's really a matter of stretching our consciousness to embrace, like we say, the unknown of the of the inner spirit, to, to embrace what we seem to be polarized on the other side so that we can be whole, because there really isn't any duality when it comes to spirit. Yes. Oh, while I'm speaking, because I'm looking at the clock here, mm-hmm. just wanted to mention to our audience that next week we continue with Taurus and Adam from Bainbridge Island, Washington, will be speaking, and she's a archetypal astrologer, and we'll be talking about, again, Tarian issues, but in a little bit different vein. It'll be about how science and technology, and not just science, how technology is really working with uh, nature, which will be uh, great to, to realize. And tonight, we're... And just to mention also that this talk is repeated on Thursday, May 2nd at 6 o'clock in the morning. So for those people that are listening, and I keep saying that it's April 27th, well, it's also May 2nd. Again, there's a little bit of this and that. So tonight is with Ben Mabry, and we have Ben two minutes. We can yak it up. So we can finish this, yes. Okay. Um, and uh, the talks are also archived. Um, and the one uh, where I gave a short introduction last week, um, if you missed that, you will, you, you'll get an, 
uh, description of how the chakra system itself does map to the 12 signs. I, I won't take the time to do that now because we're about it to It was a love, wonderful talk. I'm glad you brought it up. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, um, the Taurus um, is, uh, in terms of the yogis, different yogas. Uh, Taurus is the um, sign of the devotional yoga, what's called a bhakti yoga. And uh, um, therefore, the, the Taurian keys are very involved with the primary avatar of Bhakti Yoga, Krishna, where um, he is the, the cow herd and uh, uh, like um, moon I- exalted in Taurus is said to be the cow. And he is said to have been incarnated um, with moon in Taurus and with Taurus rising. And um, the color of Taurus in the third eye meditation is the color of his body, that azure blue. And um, um, the um, bird uh, associated with him, he's always um, seen with a peacock feather, is the peacock. And the peacock is a bird of Taurus, um, uh, who is said to uh, be in antagonism to snakes, uh, who um, are considered to be scorpionic, until a certain point when the snakes become representative of the kundalini rising, in which case the, um, he becomes a friend of this, that kind of snake. Yes, through the body, through the spine, like two snakes going up the kundalini. Yes, the caduceus is the kundalini. And that is so beautiful. I'm yes. so glad you brought that up because yes. that really is where spirit becomes that physical force of experience. Yes. That changing that, that energy in our body. Right. The kundalini is the driving force of the chakra advancement. Yes. Well, in blue, we have about 10, oh, we have no seconds. Well, blue, I love the idea that it's blue in a word. And the, I think of blue as truth, mm-hmm. that, my own education. Is mm-hmm. there a word that you could say it and then we have to hang on? Well, well it's the color of booty there. Um, okay. Yes. Then, Mabry, thank you. And thank you, Talk Cosmos. We'll be again and listen to the archives. You can hear them on Thursday, too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.